Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You're watching Oilers Nation every day with Heather Remchuk. Your one-stop shop for all things Oilers. Worried about the Oilers? Who is ever worried about the Oilers? We're chilling. Let's get into it with the lead. Clearly didn't have a mic there for a second. Oh, yeah. Um, this is also stunningly comfy. Yeah, it must be nice. So I kind of want to do the show like this. Go ahead. I'm not going to stop you. It's your show. Is that allowed? Your name's on it. That's fair. We do have an alternate logo with your name on it in case I ever want to give you that responsibility. Are you okay? No, I, I'm very thrown off right now. Jackie says I look like the Unabomber. <laughs> the what? Oh, no. <laughs> there is, delete that. Delete that. I was driving to work this morning. Mm-hmm. And God damn it. Take a moment. You good? Do you need help? I just don't get these Hello mics. and welcome to Oilers Nation every yeah, day. You know, this Tyler, is just, your this M. Is Shuck. Live yeah. inside the Shape sports club. The, the Oilers studio. won a hockey game. I see the first comments of the day comes from Daki. And he said, Tyler, I would like to personally retract my previous statements yeah. about Dry's performance. Me too. Me too. All right. Welcome in, everybody. Live from the Sports Closet Studio. It's a victory edition of the show. Um, is your mic sorted out? I don't know. Can you guys hear me? I feel like it's not right. Well, this is low. My bad. It's low. It you should have had this sorted before the show started. Well, I did, and then it kept falling on me. And I thought I'm just going to push it back mm-hmm. there until the show starts. Oh and then man, the show started and I moved. It. Yeah. I, to be fair, we started at twelve, not twelve oh one. So this is just a bunch of. I'm thrown way off. Anyways, we do have a full game to break down today. Full game breakdown coming today on the show. We're also going to be joined by Bruce Kerlock in a little bit on the Star Mechanical guest line. We're going to get to go uh, into the Bakersfield Condors a little bit. Yeah. Get Bruce's take on maybe what the our feet just touched. So early. Early in the show. <laughs> they usually teach about halfway through and yeah, we start my, stretching that they touch. My knees have to crack then. Today's unhinged. Today's oh, not. This boy, is not going to be a good show. Why? Just general vibes off the first three minutes. Really stinks. <laughs> stinks? I think I think we've been fine. I think it's good to have banter right off the bat. Bring people in. We're not just about Oilers. We're about life. We're just regular folk like you. Yeah. Uh, today in our weekly producers meeting, we had to give our dream golf foursomes. Oh, that's put, not how it was worded. Yeah, it was not. No, worded. It, was, <laughs> it was just worded dream foursome. In an email. In an email. In an email. <laughs> oh. So that was in the ball. morning. I got that email. So it was like, it's an early one. Seems intense for a morning meeting, but I'm in. Um, so and I, well, I put you in my dream golf foursome. <laughs> golf. I went. <laughs> I didn't like my answers. I had different answers, but I um, I did. Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> Ken Holland. And I think I'm going to change my answer. <laughs> Why? We heard the tales about <laughs> We've heard how good of a golfer he is. And then I think I'll do 
Hmm. Ludicrous. <laughs> Ludicrous. Are you Jenna Olin nightmare, and Robert Downey Jr. No, I love What's wrong with Ken Holland? Ah. I have so like I think I think on a, when you go golfing, <laughs> you can have great conversation and you can find out a little yeah. bit more about person. Yeah, I want to get inside Ken Holland's head. I want to know what he's thinking. Let us know in the chat your dream golf foursome. Yeah, who'd you go yeah. with? Uh, I said Jeff Passan, the baseball reporter. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Uh, Josh <laughs> Allen, the football player, because I love him, and you. Oh yeah, you did say because I said I I can't yeah. go anywhere without you. Okay. Come on, let's go. Dialer in. Oilers beat the Kings last night. Back on the rails. Both this show and the Edmonton Oilers season are back on track. Uh, Edmonton now two points clear of the LA Kings. Just one point back of the Vegas Golden Knights with two games in hand. So if the Leafs can take care of the Golden Knights tonight, you're starting to feel pretty good about the I mean, you already are, but you're feeling better about the Oilers' chances of getting into Second place. Uh, yes, it was a 4-2 dub last night, says B-Max. Shout out to our boy Bag Milk. These are the updated Western Conference standings. Liam, let's talk about this game a little bit. I will go as far as to say classic Oilers W. They played like garbage in the first 10 minutes of that hockey game. Mm. Couldn't connect the pass. Couldn't really get any sort of positive momentum going. Really couldn't set up a cycle. It was just blah. They looked incredibly flat. I would even argue into stretches of the second period. They looked incredibly flat, but they were down one nothing early in that hockey game, six and a half minutes in on a goal that I don't think I ever want to see that combination of five Oilers on the ice at the same time ever That's again. First goal? Yeah, that was not. They, mm, they're really bad. And to put them out there for a D zone start, generally a poor decision, I think, from Chris Knobloch when you have last change. It was Nurse, CeCe, and then Derek Ryan, Connor Brown, and Dylan Holloway. Can I make an alternate argument to just get? I don't disagree, mm-hmm. but if they're going to do it again, just put Dylan Holloway as a sentiman. Because explain if you watch the goal, like, yes, there's a couple of mistakes in there, whatever. It's clearly a set play by the Kings to pass it off the board to the guy at the back door. You see Byfield go down there. Byfield's sprinting towards that puck yeah. almost before the shot gets made. Derek Ryan's about two feet behind him. He can't keep up with it. I think if you if that basically been. Ryan, uh, sorry, Brown or Holloway, they probably catch him, put him under a little bit of pressure. Derek Ryan's stick is also inside of Byfield. He's stuck yep. on the ice, man. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just just bad play from Ryan. Yeah, he has his stick up by his middle. hands. Like, you're not doing anything no. there, especially when you're losing the foot race. Yeah, so I, that's why Derek Ryan's is... I like Derek Ryan, but it's difficult to have him in these situations right here. Mm-hmm. Open play, whatever, like mistakes are going to happen with his foot speed. That is what it is. But like, you almost put yourself in that situation because you put him on the ice for that draw. You know, like this was an avoidable goal. And, and if you want to circle this back a little bit to the deadline, because there's a part of me that was like, hey, Quentin Byfield is a dangerous player. Why is that the matchup Knobloch would pick when he had last change? But that's yeah. fourth line versus third line. Like, that it that should be a spot you can trust your fourth line is. The point is the Oilers' fourth line with that deep pairing, the way they've been playing as of late, and it has not been good over the last couple of weeks for Cody Cece and Darnell Nurse. It has been a sustained stretch of poor hockey for those yeah. two. And I don't even want to heap this all on Darnell Nurse because I think he's doing the best he can. We know who this is on when it comes to that pairing, and it sucks. But anyways... That's a matchup you should trust your fourth line with. And it speaks to how badly they need to upgrade the bottom six. Oh, if you can't tremendous. trust them to in, in one shift against the other team's third line, like that's the result you get. Something's got to give. Something's got to upgrade. So I, I completely agree. They need to find something, yep. which is a tease for a little service union mock trade later on. Mm, but what I would say is too, and we're going to ask Bruce about this later. They can upgrade within. Like, I really think even guys like James Hamlin and Lane Peterson, I think Hamlin's currently Hamlin's been out for a while. Lane Peterson, either way, is an upgrade. Why not try? Give him a shot. Like, I just don't understand. He's a right shot. He's basically everything you want from Derek Ryan, Mm -hmm. but eight years younger, I think, and also less money. Yeah. So it's, I don't know. We'll ask, write it down. We'll ask Bruce about it. Big boom bop. Thank you. Uh, all right. It was one, one because Connor McDavid staying true to his word was like, Oh no, I'm like straight up not shooting pucks anymore. Yes. This one happened like right in front of where I was sitting at the game. And it was like, again, in the moment, I'm not a yell shoot guy, but it was like Connor. And then it goes in and you're like, Oh yeah. Okay. We're good. 
Nice I, play. I saw this goal and I thought, oh, is that Leon Dreisaitl? Like I know it's like other side of the ice. Different, though, yeah. but it was like, wow, that was a that was a shooter's finish. And it's funny too. Like recently, that graph came out of uh, scoring graph. Sorry, of where Hyman has scored his goals, and he's probably about ten feet away from where he scored literally thirty of his goals. I think thirty. What's he at now? Thirty eight. Thirty eight. I think thirty six of them have come within the crease. So very, that's very probably the furthest right? away outside of maybe an empty an netter. Empty, yeah, I guess it was the closest, the furthest one. It was just right around the blue line. But that was a hell of a finish and. Mm-hmm. Riddich actually did get a piece of it when it show if it shows the alternative angle, he caught it with his stick a little bit. But either way, like I think this was the right play for McDavid to pass this puck. Yeah. To be honest, like McDavid can obviously rip it, but you have Hyman wide open there. But what is Pierre Luc Dubois doing, man? Like that that's not, a play you have not to get a lot. puck out the zone, right? Like yeah. bad play from him. But Hyman is only now Sam Reinhardt and one other player. Only- uh, Kucherov. Him and Cooch. And then Matthews ahead of him in league scoring. Him, Cooch, and Pasternak are tied for third. Pasternak? Okay, Pasternak. And then it's Reinhardt, then it's Austin Matthews. Zach Hyman is on pace for 56.65 goals this year. He might score 55 goals this year, and that would be below the pace he's currently at. I bet he gets 51. Because he did go cold a little bit. Right out of the break, and by cold, I mean he didn't score in like what, four games, something like that. So I, I don't know. We'll we'll see how he keeps going. I think he'll hit fifty for sure. He has six goals in his last five games. So, so he had two against Calgary, one what against Mini, one that? against Boston, one against Arizona. He scored in five straight. But in before that, he was on like a not skid, but he didn't score in like four games. No, ago, right? no, he hasn't gone. Well, there you, there you have. He hasn't gone. Liam, he hasn't gone three games without a goal since the end of November. Who did he score against coming back from the break then? Because he didn't score against the, the Vegas Golden. Okay. He didn't score against the Kings. He scored against the Ducks. Oh, okay. Then so. he didn't score against the Kings, scored against Detroit, missed against St. Louis and Dallas, and then scored against Arizona, Boston, mini two against Calgary, I one last night. four games in there that he didn't score. Uh, Liam, I am, in a row. I am looking at you. That is, yeah, there. He, he's been scoring a lot. But he missed four goal, four games where he didn't score. Yeah, there's more consecutive. Ah, okay, that's what you meant. And not so many words. Yeah. You're trying to simplify it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Like in that episode of The Office where Kevin just starts trying to save time by <laughs> <Yeah>. like not <laughs> a lot, <laughs> saying the whole word or whatever. So then Zach Hyman scored. That's the end of the first period. Um, and then the Oilers gave one back. And this is one that is going to require a bit of a conversation, I think. Evan Bouchard makes a very poor read. Yes. First off, I know there are people being like mainstream media is only talking about Bouchard, not Nurse and Cece. That was brutal. We maybe count as mainstream media, depending on who you talk to. No one I've spoken to. Yeah, but there's rumblings. <laughs> there's rumblings about us being considered mainstream media. Okay. Let the record show this show talked about Nurse and Cece first. Yeah. Let's talk about this Evan Bouchard read here. Not good. Not a play that you should be making. That is generally a dumb thing to do. but let's just look at a couple of different angles here. This play, let's pause it here. This play starts because Matthias Ekholm doesn't take care of the puck all that well. And this is something they've been doing a lot as of late. It's not making clean passes out of the zone and maybe like a little bit of homework. I would give people go watch like any other top team play in a game that doesn't involve the Oilers. And watch how easily they seem to break out of the zone. I'm not even putting this all on the D-men. The Oilers aren't breaking the puck out that well. over the la- They haven't been over the last couple of weeks. And I think that is putting a lot of extra stress on their defensive zone structure. And that's causing, and it's maybe the root cause, of a lot of these issues they're having in the D-zone. That's a mainstream media piece of analysis right there. Yeah, we listened to another podcast before this and got that from there. We did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but so I didn't like that to begin with, okay? It does not excuse the fact that Evan Bouchard made a very poor read, but run it for a little. I feel like Don Cherry, run it, run it. Okay, right here, Connor McDavid's got him. I think if you're Matthias Ekholm, the guy who's furthest back, you need to look and go, okay, 97 has that guy. You should trust that 97 can take care of Matt Roy. Mm -hmm. It is Matt Roy. Look ahead. There are two forwards coming down, so we can run it for a little bit more here. Why does Ekholm keep going to him? If you're Matthias Ekholm, and now you're at a point where it's basically like, that's a glorified three on O when you look at where that puck's going. So I just look at that and go, Matthias Ekholm also, or was that nurse on that play? Where they caught on the change? No, it was Ekholm. It was Ekholm, right? I'm not going crazy. Ekholm dumped it, right? Yeah, Ekholm dumped it out. Yeah, you're right. So if you're Ekholm there, you, you you need to read that a little bit better too. 
you need to cover for your guy a little better. So as much as people were jumping on Evan Bouchard for that play, I also look at a couple other things or a couple things that Matias Ekholm did in that moment. And I think it honestly is maybe why Matias Ekholm was standing up for him so hard yeah. in the postgame, which I loved. I even if like even if it was 1000% on Bouchard, I don't I stand up for your teammate Matias Ekholm. That is awesome. I'm not knocking the dude at all. Here's the quote. Uh, Bouchard said, I thought I could step on him. He made a good move. I should stay back. Shit happens sometimes. The only area I'd maybe raise a hand here and be like, he didn't make a good move. <laughs> it's Matt Roy. Uh, but then Ekholm said he was great at letting it go. He makes way more good plays than bad plays. I don't want him to worry about it. I've played with many offensive D-men and they have to have confidence and not worry if they make a mistake now and then. He does that. He was excellent for us after. The only area again is, I love that quote from Ekholm, but I just felt like in the moment he actually could have like physically covered for him a little bit better and not gone. There was two guys on Matt Roy. No reason for two guys to be on Matt Roy. Yeah, he's not exactly Drew Doughty in his prime, is he? Like he looks like in that moment. No. I, Bouchard, obviously, a big mistake. And I think everything just kind of became chaotic after that, right? But you do need to be able to adapt on the fly. Mm-hmm. But with Bouchard, like if you watch it too, like the way he goes to attack Roy, it was so strange. Like his feet the whole time are pointing towards the boards and not like up ice to like actually make a play on it. It's almost like, he thought he would just come in and whack it with his stick and just kind of like get away with it right away. And it's just like, ah, this is the NHL, man. Like that this yeah. play doesn't happen very often. And then what was it? Not too long after, doesn't he get a penalty? Do you like a bit of a tough one? But it's going to happen. And he bounced back in a big way. Bear with gun. Bouchard had quite a few moments last night where I found myself saying, wow, Bouch isn't always in position for those, but he's been getting them tonight. His defensive play compared to the start of the year is has been miles, miles better. Way better. Way like, better. It's not. I don't think his mistakes, as I just said, he took a penalty mm-hmm. not too long after. I don't think his mistakes are dictating his game as much as they did last year. Like now, if he makes a mistake, he's making one mistake in the game. Well, like, I'll never forget that Minnesota game where basically three goals were all his, his fault. fault. Yep. And then, but it feels like he's just really matured throughout the year. And it just is who, is who he is right now. I bet if you go back and look at the majority of like young defensemen who became great in this league, they were doing exactly the same thing. It sucks to kind of see it like that. And it, I promise you it will happen again, probably pretty soon. Yeah. But then he'll go out and just score an absolute bomb like he did in the third period and get the Oilers right back into the game. So what's the saying? You live by the sword, die by the sword. You live by the bush, die by the bush. Mm-hmm. Uh, can we flash back up that tweet from NHL Sid? Because I thought it was really smart. Bouchard can certainly be prone to making careless errors, but it's a lot more forgivable because his cap hit isn't high and he creates a lot more than he gives up. That right there. He there is so much more good coming out of yeah. Evan Bouchard than there ever is bad. And I think the people who sit there, I want to say, but he's not good defensively. He's not good defensively. I think you need to change how you view being good defensively because being good defensively isn't blocking shots and being tough. It's a part of it. And it's one way you can be good defensively, but there are different ways to make that kind of an impact. And Evan Bouchard, we just talked about struggling on the breakout. Evan Bouchard being the most consistent defenseman at successfully getting the puck out of the Oilers end is so incredibly valuable and takes so much stress out of the game for the Edmonton Oilers. Mm. You can't overlook that. Is he mean? Is he rugged? Is he going to put his face in front of a shot? No, Evan Bouchard's never going to do that. Like that's not what's in his DNA, but the stuff he's going to do great is so unique and such a special skill set. It's not something you can teach guys when he motors through and I use motors almost tongue in cheek, but when he goes through the neutral zone and is just like jumping and dancing around sticks and basically carries the puck in himself, that's special. Yeah. That's like, there are under 10 defensemen in the league who can consistently do that the way Evan Bouchard does. And I just, I don't, the frustration, I get it at times and he drives me nuts sometimes too, but you just have to step back and be like, whoa, this guy is a damn good defenseman. And I'm, and I'm okay leaving the word defense in that sentence because what he does to help push the play the other way, that right there helps you defensively. Totally. Um, the Oilers are skating right now, and there's been some changes to the lines. Should we, can we finish the game recap, or do you want to get into it? Uh, yeah, we can finish it if you want. It's not big. Okay. It's just Let's finish game. the game recap because shortly after that play from Bouchard, what we got, Liam, 
was our Douglas Mattress moment of the game. Brought to you by our friends at Douglas Mattresses. You can order today at douglas.ca slash Oilers Nation. They are handcrafted in Canada, ensuring the highest quality materials and fastest delivery to you. And right now, every mattress order comes with a free comfort sleep bundle. With that, you get two memory foam pillows with pillow protectors, one luxurious cotton sheet set, and one mattress protector free with any mattress Whoa. order, support a locally owned and operated Edmonton company and order today at douglas.ca slash Oilers Nation. The moment of the game was the penalty kill, saving yeah. their ass in the second period. In the building, you could feel the momentum turning as the Edmonton Oilers successfully killed off 90 seconds of the first penalty. Vinny takes a high sticking call. Gotta watch your stick. I know people were arguing about that. No, it's a penalty. That is a penalty every single day of the week. Um, but the Oilers killed it off and I give their PK a ton of credit for bearing down and surviving that. Cause if you give up the three, one goal there, you're probably cooked. Yeah, for sure. And I think the penalty kill just in general, was it been now three games in a row where they, they seem to have come back and found their groove. Mm-hmm. Right. And you need Skinner to make some saves too. And everyone contributes that penalty kill and it was big. And man, if they had scored on that, we'd be talking about a different games today. We would. What happens? Oilers get a power play not that long after. Bing, boom. Evan Bouchard finds Leon Dreisaitl. High slot deflection. A set play, 1,000%. And one that I hope we see more because I honestly think if you have McDavid out on that half wall open for a pass and that high PKer needs to keep an eye on McDavid, it wasn't exactly how it worked out here, but the makings of this play were like, again, came. sorry, that's Nuge down there. Nuge down there slings it back to the top of the zone. If you start forcing decisions with the presence of Drysidle there, where like that defenseman needs to stay pinned on Drysidle to prevent this kind of play from happening again, then think of what you're opening up. You're opening up either Nuge down low and then Hyman's alone in front if that one low D man is taking Drysidle in the high slot. Like, I think maybe using Drysidle in this spot more could really open things up for the Oilers. Yeah, I like it. And it's interesting because I found when. It's only been a couple of games we've seen this, but when somebody's missing from the power play, Evander Kane kind of just becomes that guy that sits in the slot with Hyman too. But they never do it with the first units. They're skilled enough that it's not predictable, but it's become a bit predictable that you know what the first unit power play is going to do. And to to kind of add this into the uh, into the system, I think it's could be very beneficial for them because it's like, well, what are they going to do? Their best shooter is in the middle of the ice. You know, (laughs) what's the play here? And it worked well. So well, I'm curious to see what they do next game if they continue to kind of add this in. So then they went into the third period. Uh, they took the lead on an Evan Bouchard bomb from the point where, again, you want to talk about special stuff that really only Evan Bouchard can do, like letting that shot go from there and then picking it bar down the way he did. Great screen by Zach Hyman as well, but that's just an unbelievable shot by Evan Bouchard. Makes it 3-2. Oilers then get a couple of power play looks back-to-back late in the third period or in the middle part of the third period. And it was kind of like, okay, the first one comes. You're like, this is your chance to put it away. The top power play unit only stays out for about a minute three. And then they head off the ice. And I was like, damn, that's unlike them. That made me feel like something was off. The fact that they went off that quick in a moment where they could wrap up the game. Then they get a gift, a second power play with a chance to put that game away. Top power play unit stays out for like a minute one. And I was like, what is going on here? Usually these guys in moments like this are not leaving the ice for the entire two minutes. Mm. They're trying to put that away. So I wondered about that a little bit, just an observation from the hockey game. And then they miss on the PK second unit can't score. And it's like, oh my God, the Kings are going to tie this up. And we're going to look at those back-to-back power plays as the moment where Edmonton could have won the game and they didn't. But who's our savior? Here comes my hero, <laughs> Connor Brown. Connor Brown, <laughs> Connor Brown on the Crazy. give and go with Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Uh, Sergeant Battle called him a point per month player. <laughs> Damn it. If they come at big moments, I don't even care anymore. Uh, great play by Nuge to drop it. Great awareness by Connor Brown. Just say, yeah, you can have that right back. And boom, really good it's in the back of the net. The Edmonton Oilers get a 4-2 win over the LA Kings. The penalty kill was perfect. They got a little support offensively with McDavid and Dreisaitl off the ice. That was something, man. Stuart Skinner, 950 save percentage. Listen, they struggled for stretches of that game, but I I still think that's a... I wouldn't say I give them an A-plus grade or full marks, but that's still a quality victory. It's just what they needed 
so bad. They mm-hmm. they could not have gone 0 4 on this 0 3 and 1, whatever. On this little stretch here at home, they they needed to come back against it. A team you desperately needed to be like the others would be in a wild card spot today, right? If they lost that game, yep, desperate. And to you know, we criticize the bottom six because they've been playing very well and not contributing too much. Besides, Yan Mark, apparently, Connor Brown comes through in the thick of it and makes a play that he I've never seen him make before. I don't know, this jersey. So, will he ever score on an empty net? I'm not sure, but they'll keep feeding him out there and seeing what he can do. Oh, I thought last night was going to be the night he had like. Not a chance, but there was a point where he yeah. got the puck at the top of the zone, and I was like, here we go. And I was like, ah, damn it. And even when, like, McLeod take one more step and he wouldn't have iced it, and, like, Brown was right in the corner. To take it. So it was that. close. It was close. Um, all right, there you go. That is your game recap and your moment of the game for Douglas Mattresses. Head to douglas.ca slash Oilers Nation to find out how you can improve your sleep. I've been sleeping on mine for a couple of months. It's legit. I'm enjoying it. Um, all right. Let's keep moving along. You said new line combos at practice, Liam. Give give them to me. There's only one, been one change. Sam Gagne is in. But Senna, which I don't get. <laughs> Do we, it's not the same. You know, Derek Ryan. Not just on put him ice. on the wing and just let him take draws when you need him to take draws. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, maybe that's what they written it, right? Like, but with that said, Ryan plays down the middle every night too. So I can't imagine why they would yeah, just off the way it's been written, but I don't get it. Just give Holloway the center. It's going to make a world of difference, I think. And good to see Gagne in. How long will he be around? Maybe a game. I just don't get it. Like, let the guy play a little bit. Get his feet under him and then see what you got. Ryan's not exactly been thriving, has he? Yeah, no, he hasn't. I mean, that fourth line as constructed there is... Maybe a bit more offensive upside, but still got, I mean, Sam Gagne can't move all that well. I like Dylan Holloway, though. I got an article up at OilersNation.com that people can go read right now just about giving these young guys a little bit more opportunities. And last night at 5-on-5, Dylan Holloway played a team low 7 minutes and 13 seconds. Team low 7 minutes and 13 seconds. You want to know the players he had more shot attempts than, even though he played the fewest minutes at 5-on-5 on the team? How many are there? Eight. Uh, they all, holy moly, uh, everyone, I guess. So Vinny Kulak, eight uh, was used forwards, defensemen included. The D-men were included. There were eight players that had fewer shot attempts than Dylan Holloway last night in more minutes. Okay, I'll say Brown, Ryan. Brown, Jan Ryan. Mark. Jan Mark. McLeod, McLeod Fogel. Uh, McLeod uh, was more. McLeod. Um, Fogel, yes. Deharnay, Kulak. Deharnay is higher. Kulak, yes. CC. CC. I don't know, the other three. Harry and McDavid. <laughs> Classic Connor. He's uh, taking this joke too far. Yeah, Connor, listen, man, it was funny in the room. It's not funny on the ice. Please start shooting the puck more. But yeah, Dylan Holloway played 7-13. Same amount of individual shot attempts as Ryan Nugent Hopkins. More than Fogel, CeCe, McDavid, Ryan, Perry, Kulak, Brown, and Yanmark. Brown and Yanmark being the only two Oilers forwards with a goose egg in that column last night at 5-on-5. Five five. So I... I don't understand why they don't play this guy. Give him 12 to 15 minutes every single give him 14 to 16 minutes for a run and see what you have, man. Like it's just, it is very, very frustrating to me. And that's why I wrote 850 words about it up at OilersNation.com. 15 minutes to you. I just literally said, I crushed it out. Article done. All right, let's see what you're all saying in the Charm Diamond Center's YouTube chat. Charm Diamond Center, proudly Canadian-owned and operated since 1972, with more than 85 locations across the country through Charm and their sister brands. For more info, you can head to charmdiamondcenters.com. Check out their large selection of Canadian lab-grown diamonds. Mine diamonds, and you don't have to pay until 2025 with their instant in-store financing. O-A-C, Charm Diamond Center's home of the propose. Uh, ML. Had an interesting one. Is McDavid dealing with something that isn't letting him get him shot off comfortably? So there was a point in the first period where there's a TV timeout and he went down the tunnel, but he was basically back before the puck dropped. Well, it was like 30 seconds of gameplay and then he was back on the bench. I'm sure they said on the broadcast he didn't talk to TD Fords. He just spoke to the equipment guy. Yeah. So I think it was just an equipment. Might have been an equipment issue, but I did wonder that because like Leon Dreisaitl, full credit to him. That was a hell of a bounce back game from number 29. I didn't feel that same way about McDavid. Like Dreisaitl at one point 
burned wide on a defenseman. I know McDavid had a real good back check at one point there. I liked seeing that. But Drysaddle seemed physically engaged. He was in the play a lot. Like Drysaddle had a great bounce back. McDavid didn't. And you know me, I hate whenever one of the stars slumps for like a week and we're sitting here being like, must be injured. I usually don't like doing that. But we know McDavid fought through something earlier in the year. I do wonder it a little bit, but again, if it it was anything serious, they'd be sitting them. They they wouldn't be forcing him to play through it at this point. Yeah, I can't see them not. Even if he had like a cold or something like that, we just saw Nuge sit out for a game. I'm kind of don't care what Drysaddle does with his body language anymore. Like I don't over it. I just I didn't like the penalty he took the other day. That was obviously silly. But like if he's like going to the bench and like talking himself, whacking his stick and all that stuff, it's just like he's come out and said it's like, yeah, it's something I have to be better at. And at the end of the day, if he's if it's if his teammates are kind of understanding of it and everything, I just don't think it should matter. The penalty was dumb. Don't get me wrong. That was stupid. But everything else I can just live with now. Jaron is in on the Charm Diamond Center's YouTube chat. He says, fellas, this is going back to the bottom six. If we aren't getting better play out of our guys, why can't we call up Peterson and Lavoie? They both have boots and are bigger guys. Give it a go. Well, we don't really know what we're talking about in most things. I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to the Bakersfield Condors. Yep. Mm -hmm. You you said something to me the other day, which I'll never forget. I'm not going to say on the show because I don't get to throw you under the bus. What did I say to you? The it other was day? about the all the prospects the Oilers have and where they will go. Oh yeah, when I said they will all be in Europe in two years. Yes, so I said after I may show, like, we may have in Europe after two years. We may have had a couple of beers in us, but it was here. It was here. Yeah, oh, I thought I told you that right on there. the nation vacation. Whoops. No. <laughs> well, okay, then if that was a sober take, I'm going to have to find a way to defend it to our next guest. Let's head out to the Star Mechanical <laughs> guest line. Star Mechanical, Edmonton's number one plumbing and heating company. It's been that way for over 20 years. You can find out more online about their 24-7 emergency services. Everything they do to keep your house running smooth in the winter, check them out. StarMechanical.ca. Let's bring in Bruce Kerlock. Bruce, every Oilers prospect will be in Bakersfield or in <laughs> years. Was that dumb of me to say? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure it was. Yeah. I mean, that that said, I... I I'm, I sat on a draft tweet about Carter Savoy and whether his next contract would be in the Swiss league for about three months. So, you know, we're all prone to those weaknesses when we see what's going on there for sure. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes they get a little frustrated. I'm an emotional guy, Liam. Uh, the Oilers came through with a nice victory. Your last body language is good, though. Two. I said it feels like classic Oilers. They sleepwalk their way into a hockey game and then just find different spurts to turn on the Jets. What did you make of that win last night? So I didn't, I mean, I, I have a slightly different take on that. I, I, I didn't think they really slept walk into the game. I actually just thought they were they made it committed uh, or they, they committed to trying to play a low event game is what I thought out of the first period. Um, you know, they, I mean, I, to me, I just looked at it and, and said, you know, given the last few games, it didn't shock me that they didn't try and push the pace. It didn't shock me that they tried to take, take a lot of chances early on. To me, that's what it looked like more than anything. Um, and really I was more disappointed. I thought in the first part of the second period prior to that penalty kill, um, because they had gotten themselves back into the game, uh, off that terrible Dubois play. Um, and, and I thought they would have had a little more momentum, a little more push coming out in the second period. And then, you know, they didn't. And really it was the penalty kill more than anything that I thought got them fired up. But I, but I thought that the first period was actually very intentional by them. Um, and let's be honest, LA, uh, the way they play the game, you know, you, you, <laughs> it's never going to be a high event, um, uh, 60 minutes. I don't think. I would yeah. hate to watch LA Kings games on the regular. I would hate to be a Kings fan. Like I hate watching the others play the LA Kings in the playoffs because it's just an absolute mm-hmm. news fest. It was like, oh, we're just going to block you out of the zone for 60 minutes. There was Do a point best. yesterday they had no one forechecking. Oh, it was a 0-2-3 or something in terms of the way yeah. they were playing. But. Uh, I wanted to ask you about Savoy, Bruce. You mentioned him kind of off the jump there, and we all saw the overtime winner that he had the other day. And 
he seems to have come a long way in the past couple of weeks. What's kind of changed the most in his game? So I have, uh, I mean, I have a speculative take on this, uh, and I have a real take on this. The speculative take is I, I think he's healthy, and I, I'm not convinced he was healthy for some time. Um, he certainly wasn't healthy last year. Uh, and he had a little bit of a lower body issue at the start of this year too, or at least early in the season. So, but he looks healthy to me more than anything. Um, in terms of what you see on the ice, you see like he is really quick, uh, right now, like far quicker than he was last year, which again, that's a relative thing to the injury, but even to the start of this year, he's, he, he looks incredibly quick out there. Um, the other Part of it, I would say more than anything, is just a level of assertiveness that that didn't exist before. He's a tough player, right? Like he is, um, uh, I would say he's really cerebral as a player. Uh, I think some people look at it and say, ah, he's lazy or he doesn't want to get involved. I, I, I don't quite think that's the case. In fact, I know that's not the case. I think he's just a really cerebral player. He knows when to attack, when not to attack. He knows when his skill sets can make a difference, and he knows when he needs to back out. Um, but, but that said, he, you know, he certainly is more assertive, uh, and um, you know, it's it's uh, translating into you know some really good results. And the big thing with him, uh, up until the last couple of games, he was stuck on the fourth line. Uh, for a chunk of time, you know, they, they had the Petrov group, uh, Savoy line go. And then of course, both Petrov and group got hurt. Uh, and then right back to the fourth line and he was making an impact on the fourth line when that, I mean, that is a huge thing in my opinion. The, the, the narrative around him of being lazy has oh. always been there. Even when that he was, was in short parks, yeah. like, well, he yeah. has 60 goals this season and he's doing pretty, not in Bigsville, but in short parks. Like, maybe he just knows when to use his energy correctly and, you know, mm-hmm. when to be an impact player, like you said. Uh, one, one other thing I wanted to ask you about is it's obviously a silly season. And every single trade we we have, we're sending Broberg somewhere, we're sending Borgo because we think they're the, they're the only players in Bakersfield with any value. <clears throat> you think there are pieces in Bakersfield that would be of value to other teams if they were to be involved in trades? Outside of those two? Outside of those two, yeah. yes. And Lavoie maybe too, I suppose. Well, Lavoie is, I think, for sure. I, I think part of the part of the issue with Lavoie is, is I'm not sure. I appreciate that he went down through waivers at the start of the year or early in the season. I'm not convinced he would clear waivers this time um, if, he, if he had to clear. Um, you know, so he would be in there. I think Olivier Rodrigue would absolutely be a trade piece. Uh, I, I don't know. He, like, he's top 10, top seven, I think, if I remember right, in save percentage in the AHL. Like, uh, I mean, you know, he's a little on the undersized side, but structurally, technically, when I talk to guys who know this position far better than I do, they're actually chomping at the bit to see what he could do in Edmonton. So I think he's a piece for sure. Um, you know, I'd be, I'd have the opposite take on Borgo. I don't think, I don't think there is a market for Borgo. Um, at least not one in which you're going to get something back of, I mean, maybe it's sold as a, you know, much like the Ekholm deal was sold as two first rounders, one of them being Reed Schaefer, who I, you know, was never fond of his draft pick. Maybe someone else sells it as well. You know, we get the 2024 plus Xavier Borgo. It's like getting two firsts. I don't think he has a big market. There's lots of work to be done there. He's either hurt um, or he just needs a restart. Uh, but, you know, other than Rodrigue, yeah, it's, it's fairly slim pickings, um, you know, you know, Warner, I think, would be an interesting prospect for other teams. But again, he's so young and he's so raw. Uh, you're not, you know, you would look at it from an Euler perspective and say, look, if this is what we're going to get for him, let's keep him. I really like him as a prospect, but he's just, I don't know that he would jump up in somebody else's organizational meetings as to somebody they'd want uh, or overpay for. 
Let's talk a little bit more deadline, but in terms of what the Oilers could be sending out, let's talk about what they could be bringing in. Everyone's starting to get their guys. We're 10 days away from the Mm -hmm. trade deadline or 11 days away from the deadline. We've been in, we've become a Chris Tanev show at some points and we've cooled at some points. We were a Boone Jenner show for a while. We're maybe on the fence about being an Anthony Mantha show, really trying to decide if we want to push that. Um, But who are your guys at the deadline that you look at and go, whether they're the big names or maybe someone lower down on the list, some check down options. Who do you like out there that you think could make a good impact on the Oilers? Yeah. So I'm going to be boring again and just go back to what I said before, which is Tanem. I I just don't understand how that isn't the best fit um, for this. He's going to have the most impact. Um, You know, everybody talks about Darnell Nurse needing a better partner. Um, I agree with that. He, he would he would be an excellent partner. The other thing he's going to do, he's going to shore up the penalty kill, which, I mean, you know, <laughs> it runs hot and cold. So, um, he, to me, he's still the guy, um, given that it appears he's a rental-type situation. I think that fits the Oilers better in terms of what they can do on an acquisition cost basis. Um, the other player I do like is Anthony Mantha. Uh, you know, I saw him out, I, I think, I can't quite remember who it was, but somebody was throwing around uh, Dowd's name and I started looking at that team and I I mean, if you wanted somebody, and I'm pretty pretty certain that Mantha plays the right side as a left shot, um, boy, I'll tell you, if you can make the money work, which is an issue, he checks a lot of boxes. Uh, that, uh, you know, some, you know, some, some commentators, uh, you know, uh, speak about in terms of areas of need. Uh, I really like him. I, I think he would fit. The only issue you have is, you know, he's slow of foot or slower of foot. Um, and this team is not exactly a speed, uh, demon of a team. Um, you know, so there's that, but, Boy, I mean, a cold scorer. He's he's good defensively, good size, plays on the cycle. Certainly could play in your top six. He'd be the other guy, but again, the money's tough there. Yeah, uh, I know Gregor's been high on <clears throat> Beck Malenstein. I don't hate the idea of Nick Dowd. I think I'm going to hate the price he ultimately gets traded for. I like Anthony Mantha. Um, if Washington kept half of Joel Edmondson and he was your eighth D-man, I, I mean, I don't think you could trust him every day, but plug him in if you need him when you're down two guys and that inevitably get hurt. And then Frank today brought up the idea of Charlie Lindgren, who's got one more year at $1.1 million as well. And it's like, man, you could you could pick up a lot of pieces from Washington if you wanted to shell out enough assets. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, Lingren's an interesting piece, right? Like he's, you know, I, 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 I'm less enthusiastic about the backup goalie piece. I understand. But again, it's hard to argue with the history, right? You, you look at some of the cup runs uh, that other teams have made, you know, there's backup goalies are playing games. So you know, if you're, you know, if you're set on Pickard, that's yeah, a bit of a roll of the dice. I, if the team isn't, I mean, I guess you maybe make the argument that if you solve the, if you solve the defense uh, a little bit, shore it up a little bit, maybe the argument is, is that Pickard plays, plays in a game that's a little more low event. Um uh, yeah, I, I don't know where I am with Bickard. I, I, I think I would be looking for some piece there, but in terms of its ranking, it would be below the the second right defenseman and, and some sort of a forward, an impact forward. Yeah, I think we're kind of on the same page with that uh, last one because it came in from the uh, listeners on YouTube. Lane Peterson as an upgrade on Derek Ryan. Is he? <sighs> No, um, I mean, I, I, yeah, I really like Lane Peterson, um, but he's a four A guy, right? He is, he's a tweener. Um, you know, he offensively, there's no question. He, you know, he can score. He can certainly probably score at the NHL level. Um, he is not robust. Um, yeah, you know, say that politely. Uh, and in your bottom six, you're going to need to be that. Um, he he's okay at faceoffs. He's 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 not a terror by any stretch, but he's okay. Um, I just think you know you're running into the issue of 
uh, a guy who in another role would be a perfect NHL fit for what the Oilers need. You know, he's, he, he just probably doesn't check all of the boxes. You know, I don't think Derek Ryan is any great stretch at five on five. He wins faceoffs, which is wonderful. And he, he PKs, you probably need to improve on him, but it's probably not Lane Peterson. All right. Bruce Kerlock, as always, man, appreciate the time. These are some of my favorite right. chats. Thanks for doing this. All right. All right. Have a great day, guys. Okay. Bye, yeah. Bruce. Bruce Kerlock on the Star Mechanical guest line, starmechanical.ca. They've been in the Edmonton area for more than 20 years. You can trust them and you can trust Bruce Kerlock to give you good hockey talk. I can. Every time he comes on the show, I learn a little bit more about myself and also the biggest show condos. Yep. Sure do, Liam. Uh, all right. Let's get back into the program and dial up the Service Credit Union mock trade brought to you by Service Credit Union. The trades we give you are fake, but the money you can win with the Service Big Share Contest. Oh, you better believe it's real. And it's a cool $1 million back for a sixth year. Anyone can enter by becoming a member and saving with Service. Every $500 saved gives you five entries into the Service Big Share Contest. You can transfer your existing savings to Service extra chances to win $1 million. The contest closes April 30th, 2024. A skill test is required for full rules. Visit service.ca slash win. Liam, you handled today's service credit union mock trade. I'm going to let you give it to me. Okay, here we go. So the Oilers acquire Adam Henrique and Sam Carrick from the Anaheim Ducks. Two centermen? Two centermen for the Edmonton Oilers coming in before the deadline. A third-party broker, whoever that may be, takes 50% 50% of, um, what's his name? Adam Henrik. Henrik. Along with Anaheim, they get the third round pick, the broker. The others trade the first round pick and a conditional second. Okay, so you have third round pick or fourth round pick to the broker? You had fourth written down here. Uh, fourth, yeah. sorry. So you're giving up basically a first, a conditional second, and a fourth. What are the conditions on that second? Uh, the others have to make it to the Western Conference Finals. And it becomes another first? Uh, no, and it becomes... It, if they don't, it's a third, then it becomes. Oh, okay, a I see what you mean. So that's, if, how I, that's how it's worded, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So if you make the Western Conference final, you're giving up a first, a second, and a fourth for Henrique and Carrick. First, second. Yeah. You're getting a third line center and a fourth line center. Yep. Do we have their lines, Aaron? Can we flash up the lines? And just so people are aware, if the others retained, uh, got Henrique retained all the way down, you could have both of these players in your lineup if you sent down Sam Gagne. Okay. That's why there's no player included yeah. money going out. Yep. Um, yeah, because deadline cap space, all yes. that stuff helps not being an LTIR. Even if so, they didn't, they could do it. So let's build out the lines if you were to do this kind of a deal. Down the middle, your centers are McDavid, Dreisaitl, Henrik, and Carrick? Yep. Okay. On McDavid's wing, let's say, let's say Fogel and Hyman. I think that's a good duo. McDavid's wings? Yeah. Fogel. McDavid, Fogel, Hyman. Okay. okay. Second line, you would have Drysaddle with Nuge and Kane. Okay. Third line, you could go Henrique with McLeod actually as a winger and Perry on the right side. Yeah. And then your fourth line would be Carrick, Holloway, and either Yanmark or Brown. Yeah. And also another layer of this is uh, Henrique has been playing on the left wing a lot this season. So if you really did want to have like News going to oh, McLeod State Center. You could play Henrik on the wing too and, you know, play with it that way as well in the top six. Yeah. Also, maybe that opens up the possibility of you sliding. You know, if you make McLeod a winger, maybe your second line is McLeod, Kane with Henrik down the middle. You keep this top line the same. Then your third line is like Nuge, Fogel, Perry. I just think it brings a lot of elements to this team. A lot of flexibility is what it would yeah. give you. And Henrik, like, he's a really good player. He's having a pretty good year on the Ducks, you mm-hmm. know? And and Carrick, I think he's better than what the others may have to offer in Gagne or Derek Ryan at that center position. And it's evident they don't want to play Holloway there. Yeah. Go get Sam Carrick. He's 825K. So I think this cap hit with the two of them, you get Henrik all the way down, is about 2.3. Yeah. Someone said, I thought Henrik was a right shot. No, he's a left shot. Carrick left shot's a right a- shot, though, right? Carrick, I think, would be the righty that we know they're always itching to get. Yeah, he's a righty, six foot. So both six foot centermen, one's a lefty, one's a righty. Is it worth blowing your bigger assets, your first and locking up your second, even mm-hmm. though it potentially may not go in the deal, but first and the second? I think so. And not addressing the D. 
You still could. With what? Like if you were able to move on from CC, okay. you still have other picks you can play with. You still have your first round pick for next year if you really needed it, right? Yeah, and I mean, hey, maybe the Oilers are in a spot this year. I So then this kind of just couples into another concern I have when you look at moving on from picks. If you're going to give up both your first and second, you can't get two... Or sorry, your first round pick for this year and next year is what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like a first round pick and another first round pick. You're going to trade them both. And now you're prepping to go into next year's deadline with no first. One of the pieces you bring back has to have term. I don't want to be sitting here at this time in 2025. And here are the picks the Oilers have in each of the next three drafts. I don't want to be sitting here in this time next year going, how do the Oilers add what they need to without a first or a second round pick in the draft? And you'd then be coming off a draft where you wouldn't pick in the first or second round. I think there's ways to do it. I think you'll be fine. Like we said, like the last two, was it two or three Stanley Cup winners didn't trade that first round pick, right? Yeah. So there's like ways to go around it. What would what did they get for Lekkonen the other uh, Colorado? Was it just in Barron in a second? Like mm. high price, of course, but like there's ways to get around the market without having a first round pick too. Now that Frank's bringing up Charlie Lindgren, I'm really interested in that. Is he good? He's... Look at the numbers, man. He's having a good year on a yeah. not great Washington team. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, and look, he'd be your one B, right? <laughs> so where I come out with this is like, I wonder if you can get two pieces, then that would be like. I wonder if they go get like Edmondson and Lindgren. Well, so the Oilers are projected to have two point three seven three million dollars in uh, deadline cap space. Two point seven. If you were to go make a deal with Washington, if they're like. We want you to overpay for Nick Dowd. Maybe you just, Kate, okay, we're going to do the overpay for Nick Dowd, Washington, but then you're cutting us a deal on Lingren and maybe it still is Malenstein. Would you- or maybe it's we'll overpay, but then we want Mantha kept twice in the deal too. I just think using Lingren to, and again, you have that $2.3 million in projected deadline cap space, but if Lingren comes up, and Pickard goes down, it, you're only really using what 400k of your cap space, right? Mm-hmm. If let's say Dowd comes in, but Derek Ryan goes on waivers or Yanmar goes on waivers, you're only using another 400,000 of that cap space. And then you get Mantha retained twice. Like maybe there's a chance to just, like I joked with Bruce, one stop shop, man. Maybe. Get a depth center, get a goalie, get a right winger, all in Washington. And maybe there's a chance you can actually afford all of those cap hits. Is it going to cost you a lot? Yeah. But if Washington's hell-bent on getting a first, I don't think Mantha has a ton of value on the trade market. So if they're like, no, we want a first for Dowd, and maybe you overpay for Lingren, and the deal is you're giving us Mantha too, mm. and you're helping us make the money work. Uh, people keep asking why we keep keep mentioning Edmondson. It's a seventh, just insurance. It's an eight. I'd play like, Broberg yeah, ahead of him, right? It's, it's just it's, it's to that's get... I don't want, I mean, we do this with the goalies, right? We're like, oh man, if Skinner gets hurt, how screwed are you having to play picker? And it's like, okay, like whatever. I, I get that. We also know you need eight D men to make it through a playoff run. Most yeah. of the time, the Oilers, this regular season, the Oilers have been remarkably healthy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you can't bank on that always being the case. You can look at it this way. Is Edmondson better than Kemp, Nimalainen or Camden? Yeah. The answer is yes. There's your upgrade. I get it. We're, we're impact players. The point is, it's like, it would make a difference. He would help this team go on a longer playoff run if it ever came to that they needed him. He's not great. He's not perfect by any means, but he's an option. Just a uh, quick question. Uh, yeah, there's a look at uh, Washington's projected roster. Uh, there's no doubt. Doubt's injured right now. Okay, I quickly want to zip back into the YouTube chat here because Trevor had a question on the Charm Diamond Center's YouTube chat. He says, how do you handle the goalies for the rest of this homestand? Well, the Oilers did, or Tony Brar did say that Stuart Skinner is in the crease, uh, or in the starter's crease. So yep. he's expected to start against St. Louis. And then you have weekend back-to-back. Seattle Saturday, Pittsburgh on Sunday. I, I'm tempted to go Pickard on the road Saturday. That would that give uh, the schedule. Hey, that's Seattle, right? Yeah, Seattle on the road in Seattle, two o'clock Saturday. I'd go Pickard there, and it gives Skinner a clean three days off if you start him on Wednesday against St. Louis. Back on home ice against Pittsburgh. I think you got a shot to win both these games. So why not play your best goalie in the second one? Try to go for the whole the whole sweep. I would play Skinner against Seattle and, and Pickard against Pittsburgh. 
Because I just think Seattle is a very important game, divisional game. You need the two points there more than yeah. you need it against Pittsburgh, you know? Yeah. And you know what? Actually, with that, and maybe I'll change my mind and agree with you. If you were to go just looking at the schedule, Skinner Saturday, Pickard Sunday, Skinner against Columbus or against Boston, you obviously want that. And then you could go Skinner against Columbus. And then on the Saturday, matinee against Buffalo, you've no problem going Pickard against Buffalo. Yeah. And then the next day, Back to Skinner. It, it actually works out pretty well. It lines up well. And I know the conversation will just continue to be we're overworking Skinner. It's like they also have to win hockey games. And Skinner's going to give you the best chance to do it. I just, I don't know what more, oh, sorry, what less Skinner could do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like at the end of the day, he's just starting goalie. He's got to play. Yeah. But also rest, right? We know when he gets. But it works overworked. out really well. Mm-hmm. The schedule is quite good for a, a rotation. Maynard Nugent Spivey said a real media person wouldn't waver like that. You have so much attitude today. I don't get it. He's grumpy with us today. He's very grumpy. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, hey, we hang out with you guys an hour every single day. So we know when you guys are having bad days. It's yeah. okay. So if you want to get off your chest, you can let us know. We love you guys. But I'll, I'm sure. <laughs> Stop looking at me. <laughs> Liam's got some fire in those. Yeah, Liam's all going low. I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's go to the menu for our friends at DoorDash. 25% off and zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more. All you need to do, download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code Baboom Nation 25 Maybe you even want to use the Double Dash feature. You and your significant other go to order food. You can never agree on where to order from. The Double Dash feature saves you. You can add a second restaurant, a second stop to your DoorDash order for no extra delivery fees. The other thing I've been loving since I've gotten really into using DoorDash more than I probably should mm-hmm. is sometimes they'll just send you a little push notification and be like, hey, 40, 40% off tonight. And you're like, that's sweet. I got it when uh, when we went to Greta the other day. Me too. I got the 25% off and the lady was staying at home. I was like, hey, here's a discount code for... DoorDash. Last night, I got a code that said, buy one, get one free. Mary Brown's chicken sandwich. Oh, It's like, buddy, I'll get two. Let's go. Forget about it. You got lunch Under the next day. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, there you go. The menu today, Oilers Nation Radio dropping in a couple of hours. Myself, Liam, Dan, Rick, bagged milk. Mm-hmm. Giddy up. Um, so we got that. Notebook? Yep. Notebook. New episode of The Notebook right here on the Oilers Nation YouTube as well. So a lot going on today on the YouTube. Make sure you're subscribed if you are not already. Uh, also, if you're looking to get out to another nation event, Brunch for Ben is coming up this Saturday. Did you get your tickets? You got to buy some more. You got to buy more. Are you bringing the whole fam? The family will be there. I'm bringing like the whole family. My family's just little, so I'm also bringing the whole family. I got nieces coming. Oh, wow. I got sisters, brother-in-laws. Parent? I think my mom's coming. Oh, that's yeah, great. This is going to be great. All of our families will be there. I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, Brunch for Ben this Saturday. Tickets now. Nationgear.ca. As always, proceeds go to a good cause. And the good cause is it's the best cause. It's the Ben Stelter yeah. Foundation. Always love supporting the Stelter family. It is going to be good. We got a ton of giveaways to do as well as Edmonton takes on Seattle. So a family-friendly Oilers Nation event out at Greta Arcade Games for the kids too. Awesome. Awesome stuff. I'm going to have to remember not to swear when I do my MC announcements. You did do some swearing the other day. I like it. Fires the crowd up. It fires me up. You're going to have to let kids win though, Tyler. Yeah, I will. Even at the football game. How do I do? No, not at the football game. Uh, How do I do my Oilers Nation prices right with children though? That's what I was trying to think of. Hunter. Hunter related. Ooh, Hunter related. I don't know. I have no idea. Anyways. Just do local. Just do the new stuff. But what if How the kids? What if the kids are like eight? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And then also, I have to crush a kid's spirits. Well, just don't play. I'll just do what they do at the game and give it to them anyway. Do it, and it's like they're struggling. It's like maybe say this, and then they do it. Yeah, that could. How be about fun. the other day when we were at the game, and the guy was doing the? He had the cards, and he had to put them in an order, and it was like Nurse Drysaddle, Nuge, and McDavid. Is most assists as an oiler, right? Well, I can't even remember what it, what it was, was, but it was like very obvious what the order was. And uh, Chelsea Bird was like, this is the wrong order. And he's the guy just stood there like, and didn't say anything. <laughs> like, I'm going to just move these two around. <laughs> You'll win. 
That's what uh, you got to do. I also got a chuckle yesterday. Listen, the Oilers do a lot of things really, really well as an organization. A lot. Yes. Video tributes, all that stuff. They're very, very good at it. Yesterday, they had a 90-something-year-old World War II veteran in the house for Military Appreciation Night. Incredible. Incredible. It was awesome. He got an unbelievable ovation. Good on the Oilers for setting that up and bringing him out. The part I could have done without is when they go on the announcement, they go, and to thank him, he's giving he's been given two tickets to see the Harlem Globetrotters. <laughs> All worth it. Not soft. I was just like, man, I feel like we could have done like personalized messages from the players. A signed jersey wouldn't have cost tickets you anything. Tickets to the next game. Tickets to the next game. Yeah. To thank him, he was 98. To thank him, we are giving him tickets to the Harlem Globetrotters. Wow. And 2,000 rewards. <laughs> you might have missed the mark a little on that one. It was, and again, like, I'm not even trying to throw shade. It was just objectively funny to be like, wow, like, this guy fought for our country like 70 years ago. Enjoy seeing the Harlem Globetrotters. I didn't even know they were coming. I'm Neither did I. We might have, have you to ever go. Seen the Harlem Globetrotters? I have seen it. Them, is yeah. incredible. It is, is it? Really I've fun. never seen it. Yeah, March tenth or yeah. Maybe we'll go. How funny would it? I was curious. I looked it up. I wanted to know if they were coming to Rogers or if they're going to like I don't know wherever else they would go. But no, I think they go to the Expo. No, I don't think they're, they're at Rogers. They're at Rogers. Like, how funny would that be if they gave him tickets? It wasn't even at Rogers. <laughs> Court side. <laughs> Anyways, shout out to that 98 year old World War II veteran. Yeah, that's crazy. That is that is absolutely and seen some stuff. Yeah. The it was cool. Globetrotters, yeah. And now he's going to see the Harlem Globetrotters. <laughs> what would be better? Yeah. All right. That is a wrap on today's edition of the show. Tomorrow, Wednesday, are we going to be live in a boat? I'm on a boat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you'll have to tune in and find out. It's also a short for giant game day edition of the show. Frank Saravalli is also going to be by. Could we be on a boat? We'll talk to you tomorrow at Noon Mountain.